Hello and welcome to Outside is Overrated. I'm your host, Tom Sidlogic, and today we are going to have an online discussion about video game music. We're going to talk about some history and icons in the industry, and we're going to play a little game, tech and the good Lord willing. Joining us today via the internet are Hobbybox Burns. Hello. And a new friend of the show, Billy. Billy Parrot. Welcome, Billy. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What are some of your favorite games? Yeah, uh, thank you again for having me. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was actually started, let's see, my love for video games was back, what, 85, 86, 87 or so, when we first got the regu- the very first Nintendo that was available. So it was a lot of Mario, a lot of uh, uh, Zelda and everything, which was awesome. And then my dad was awesome enough to get my sister and I a Super Nintendo and that's where you know we started playing the uh the mario karts and then i got introduced to rpgs at that point specifically final fantasy so yeah. that just skyrocketed one of us one of absolutely us one of us lo- <laughs> that, that's that's i mean it was all over from there guys seriously like final fantasy just took hold of me and i've been an absolute lover of rpgs since it's it was fantastic so Played them all through every system there was available. I'd have to say pretty much the only time video games kind of took a pause was like when I discovered alcohol, <laughs> and I was working as a I was working as a server at the time, and so I'd really only get video game play in like on Tuesdays and Wednesdays when I didn't work. So other times I was working evenings and stuff and I was too hungover or tired the next day to really play anything. <laughs> so uh games took a back. Uh yeah, they took they they sat on the back shelf for a little while there, probably around the end of PlayStation 2 and then to segue into how I was introduced to OIO is our good buddy Brian actually gave me his 360 and I jumped into Final Fantasy 13 just because I hadn't played one for such a long time. You know, it wasn't my favorite, but if you think about, you know, if you think about Good not games. playing one for a long time and then jumping back into it, it was fun. You know, I'm not going to give all three games a 10 out of 10 by any means. But it was a good time. And then so with that, my lovely wife as a present got me a PlayStation 4 soon after that. And I jumped into playing Final Fantasy 15, which was absolutely fantastic. And now I'm playing catch up currently, which is all of the back order games. <laughs> I have so many that I am going through. It is crazy. And uh, yeah, and so with Brian being our friend, he introduced me to Mr. Awesome himself, and we got to talking more and his love of video games and mine, and found out he had a podcast, and I was like, hell yes, and I am all about supporting friends and what they love doing, so long story long, Tom, sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) It's beautiful, Billy. What is your favorite Final Fantasy game? Did we get the list right when we did our Final Fantasy episode? I loved your guys' list. That was a that was probably my favorite episode that you guys did. That was I was jealous I wasn't on that one. I just have to say that was that was <laughs> badass. Loved the list. I thought you guys nailed it. Yeah, I got to go with myself 
number seven being the best. And then it's going to be weird and just hear me out on it, but only because it just re-sparked everything in my love for Final Fantasy. But no, going through through 15. No, it's 15. I'm going to put 15 up there in the top. Okay. In the top, like, three. I thought you were going to bring 13 up and I was going to end the show right now. Oh my God. No, I would never do that to you guys. Are you serious? <laughs> ever, ever, ever. I would never do that to you guys. No. So no, 15's got a good special place in my heart because thir- well, 13 was fun getting into it. It wasn't the best. And then I got into 15 and I was like, oh, hell yes. Because they did things so much differently and I just loved every minute of it. 15, 15 was one of those where I wanted to put it higher, but it's just... Oh, but then Final Fantasy VI. Well, that's got to be up there. And then Final Fantasy XIV for me at the time, it has to be up there. So it's just like 15 kept dropping down and down. I think it finished number five for me, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, I think it was in in your mid-range there, Burns, if I remember correctly myself, which is fair. You know what I mean? Uh, And I do have to give it up to the newer consoles of these days, being the fact, especially like with the Switch, like, I'm going to be able to replay all of the games all over again now on one system. So I'm looking yep. forward to do that. So I know that my top games are going to be changing once I'm able to jump back through all the old games and replay the Final Fantasy series. So looking forward to that. Also, real quick, what do you think of Super Mario Odyssey? Haven't played it yet. I'm confident that you will love it as much as most of the rest of the world does. <laughs> I'm confident <laughs> I am as well. I still have to get through Breath of the Wild. I'm still playing Octopath. And again, this is me catching up with years of unplayed games right now. So it is so hard to decide. And then PlayStation just keeps dropping phenomenal games. And so it's like, well, I can't not play fucking Red Dead 2. And boom, there goes 140 hours of my life, which was beautiful, by the way. But and then I was like, okay, let's get back to some more games here. And Final Fantasy VII Remake comes out. There goes another 120 hours of my life. So <laughs> I'm always playing. It's like one step forward, two steps back at this point. It's just hilarious. Bernsey, what have well, you been playing? Tom right is there? a testament, though, to the fact that you can not play Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> is that right, Tom? <laughs> yeah, that, that would be correct. I've had Bernsey's copy since about a month after it came out, and I still haven't fired it up. I'm kind of intimidated by the sheer scope of it my gaming time is so limited and i've been playing so much stuff for oio to get ready for shows like i just don't have 100 hours to commit to a game so as a guy who just fell in absolute love with final fantasy 14 it's yeah yeah i understand <laughs> i understand completely man for sure bernsey what have you been playing lately uh that's actually a lot of what i've been playing most recently is final fantasy 14 i to be to be honest, I really don't think there's been much else in the last month other than 14. I played, okay, I did play, I played a game uh, on PlayStation 4 called One Night Stand, and uh, it's a really simple kind of adventure-ish game. And basically what it is, is you wake up after a drunken night and you're next to this chick and you would never met her before, except for last night when you were trashed, and you're trying to piece things together and it's just sort of a really quick, like, one-hour playthrough. Uh, but there's lots of different branches that can go different directions. Uh, it was a really interesting game, and it's one of those where I, I have a soft spot for games like that that have the branching narratives, and then just trying to see how you can get to the different areas 
So that's the only other thing I played was one night stand. It was like on sale for five bucks or something like that, if not less, maybe two bucks, <laughs> three bucks. I think it's normally five bucks. So it was an interesting little diversion from all of the Final Fantasy fourteen play. You've been playing a bit of Assassin's Creed too, haven't you? Oh yeah, that's right. I can't believe I forgot. I played probably that's right. I've played probably 30 hours of Assassin's Creed Origins since the last time we recorded the podcast. That game's a lot of fun. It's clunky. Holy crap. Especially having played Final Fantasy VII Remake before that, like where it's like the combat is as tight as combat can be. And then it's just, it just felt so like loose and all over the place. But I was like... The exploration in Assassin's Creed Origins, and I hear Odyssey is even better for it, but the exploration is just phenomenal. I, I'm not a huge fan of deserts, but wandering around and looking at all the different things, finding the pyramids for the first time, and then like mm -hmm. getting to go into them and like go through the tombs, it's just, it's a really, really neat experience to go through. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I played that, but the last like week, and a half to two weeks has been mostly just Final Fantasy XIV. Fourteen is awesome. Bailey, did you play Assassin's <laughs> Creed Origins or did you play Odyssey? I played Odyssey. And I beat the game, went through it. That was another 100 plus hour one that I very much enjoyed. That was a that was a beautiful game. And it's it's like it, the cool thing too, it was like it was a history class at the same time. <laughs> it, was, it was like, yeah. oh, that's really fun to learn about uh Greek mythology and stuff like that too. So that was pretty sweet. Games are awesome. I have the distinct pleasure yeah. of doing the show with two of our $10 supporters on Patreon. Thank you guys both so much for your support of Outside is Overrated. <laughs> We'd also like to thank our corporate sponsor, Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. That's premierhealthmn.com. You can follow the show on social media. You can write into overratedpod at gmail.com. That's overratedpod at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tom Sidlachik OIO. That's T O M S E D L A C E K O I O on Twitter and Instagram. Or follow Joey at HobbyBoxBurns. Or follow the show at hey. Facebook.com slash Outside is Overrated. Billy, you have anywhere people can follow you on the internet? Not really, just my personal Facebook page. So Terrific. you can find me pretty easy. I've got a unique last name like you, Tom. Although I think yours is a little bit easier to spell. <laughs> Said logic. Said logic. <laughs> so on to our main topic, the history of video game music. Music is an important <laughs> music is an important part of our culture. What role does music play in each of your lives? And how would you describe your musical taste, starting with our new guest, Billy? Oh my goodness, I get to go first. This is awesome. I'm just excited for this episode. Yeah, music <laughs> always been a big part of my life. Huge, huge part of my life. You know, ever since I was young, I got exposed to music. My mother would always crank the radio in the kitchen when she was cleaning, making dinner and stuff like that. So I got to hear a lot of old, uh, she was also, which is funny, let me let me just insert this here, that she was also an aerobics <laughs> instructor back in the, in the 90s. And so I used to hear a lot okay. of like old Paula Abdul and like that, you know, it, it was, so a lot of that old dance music too was very early in my life. Um, Straight up, don't when tell I was, me no, love me yeah. forever. Oh, just, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh. Straight up. 
<laughs> and then she loved 90s alternative music. So that's really what I was exposed to in my probably like early teenage years. Oh my until, God. Until, yes, I know, until I heard heavy metal for the first time, exposed to Metallica, Pantera, Rage Against the Machine, the list goes on, blah, blah, blah. And that's really where I jumped into music at that point was metal was just awesome it just was oh it was emotional it was loud it was angry it just made you want to just dance around and mosh it was awesome so uh, yeah and so i you know then through high school i was in a couple of bands um doing drums at one point i switched over to vocals for my last two bands which was fun and it was a hardcore metal screamy kind of vocals which was pretty sweet oh um, wow so yeah so <laughs> I, i've been yeah i've been doing that for i've been doing that for a while i haven't been in a band now for the last probably four or so years so i miss it a little bit but yeah it's been huge i went to institute of production and recording downtown minneapolis ipr if you guys have heard of it and took music production and business there uh, so yeah it's been it's been everywhere in my life you know but uh it's fantastic, which is why I'm really, really excited for this episode because it's music and video games. Like this is something to get excited about, Tom. <laughs> uh, first off, so, so one thing, one thing I always, oh, one thing I always wondered about was how do you do the screaming vocals and music without completely destroying your voice? That's <laughs> I've been asked that a lot. Yeah, it's actually uh, <laughs> I was in in high school. I was in choir for four years, so it's a lot of vocal training. Uh -huh. and, lear and learning okay. how to control the vocals because yeah you can easily blow your vocal cords out in 20 minutes if you're not knowing what the hell you're doing so that helped a lot so i was able to right. take that training and switch it down to learning how to scream properly and take care of my voice and what have you like there'd be times where i wasn't uh wasn't talking for a good two hours before a concert just to save the vocals and then you know gotcha yeah, so I could go probably a good hour long on stage doing the screaming and stuff. And you do get winded. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I can do it indefinitely, but I'm oh, sure that was a lot of fun. And I actually found out I could scream by accident one day when <laughs> my old band, I was playing the drums and <laughs> guy that was a, a old friend of mine was doing vocals. And he said, you know, I can play the drums. And I said, oh, well, I'll hop on the vocals and just. And we just fucked around for a little bit and I started screaming and I was like, oh shit. And he realized he was better at the drums and I realized I was better <laughs> at vocals. So that's, and that's, uh, that's the story of me becoming a <laughs> vocalist for metal bands after that was purely by accident. So that's awesome. Yeah, dude. Your, <laughs> that's cool. Your parents were a lot cooler than mine, man. I grew up on cool 108 in the oldies, Ooh. which is cool. There's a lot of uh, class there, but it feels like a very different musical upbringing. I've found that. Music... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say it was, you know, my dad likes all the old rock and stuff like that. Seventies and sixties rock and stuff, you know, but he was never a music guy. You know, my dad's more into sports. Mm -hmm. uh, so my mom was really the one that blasted music all around the house. So I didn't get to hear my dad's favorites like, old Eric Clapton when he was in like Derek and the Dominoes and Cream or Moody Blues and Zeppelin and stuff like that. So he never played that all too much. It was more my mom's stuff. The first concert I ever went to was the Beach Boys at the Minnesota State Fair. 
Nice. Yeah, the, the Beach Boys were my jam. <laughs> I found that so, music tends to drive my moods. I'm drawn towards music that is upbeat, has very upbeat temper tempos, and mm-hmm. clever lyrics. Like some of my favorite bands, Eve Six, Real Big Fish, Bare Naked Ladies. I listen to a lot of country, um, but I'm kind of all over the place. How about you, Joey? Very music for me it's interesting because i've never really fully learned music which is probably unfortunate because i tend to have music running in my head a lot of the times it's either things that i've heard or it's just things that i've made up like over the years just sort of running through my head uh when i was in college and high school i was in band i played the drums though so I, i learned rhythm and things like that but i never really ever learned and i learned like only the stuff that works in a high school or college like orchestra band or marching band so i never like learned anything like outside of that i, I played a mm-hmm. trap set maybe a handful of times in my head or in, in, not in my yep. head in my life and so it, it's one of those things where i haven't had a whole lot of a focus on that but otherwise i listen to music all the time i tend to gravitate i, I like pretty much everything there's only some country or rap that I enjoy. Otherwise, the majority of it, I'm not a huge fan of. Otherwise, everything else I can kind of listen to and enjoy or find some enjoyment in. I tend to gravitate a lot more towards like alternative rock, uh, classic 80s. I mean, 80s music is fun too. Uh, since we we're talking about what our parents are into, my dad's never really been a music person that much. Uh, him and his friends will listen to like 50s, 60s rock stuff because that's like what they listened to when they were you know, getting into trouble and shit like that. But uh, my mom and my sister were huge into 80s hair metal. And so <laughs> I had a lot of that growing up uh, in the house. Uh, but when I when I was younger, I really started to get into, like, especially John Williams. And so, like, soundtrack music for a while mm-hmm. was something I really jumped into. And that ended up happening at about the same time when I really started to get into video game soundtracks. And so like, especially with Final Fantasy VI when I was younger, that's, I think, think still the only actual CD full soundtrack that I ever bought and still own uh, mm-hmm. for a video game anyway. Otherwise, I listen to all sorts of things on the internet. Uh, I usually listen to video game music when I go to sleep. And it's just one of those things where I really find certain certain songs that I enjoy and I'll end up listening to them kind of over and over and over again for a while. And then they'll end up making their way into my mix uh, kind of as I'm playing random things while I'm working. I find music tends to help me focus on things. And so if I need to sit down and do something, that'll go on. And then that helps to kind of get the ADHD out of my head and focus on the task at hand. So that that's kind of the role that music at least plays for me. That's so funny. That is the opposite for me. Like music is such a distraction for me. Like I can play music at work when I'm doing something menial, but like if I need to focus on my writing or something, like no music. I am so glad. I am so glad you guys brought this up because I was wanting to talk about this as far as music when it comes to writing or focusing. I had this topic with my wife probably last week, which was she can crank tunes and like read a book or write on her, you know, write a paper. And she doesn't, it, it doesn't bother her. She can still focus. 
if I crank music and it has lyrics, I can't concentrate for shit. It's the weirdest thing because I start listening to the lyrics and I start singing along and then all of a sudden I'm doing air guitar in the bedroom without focusing on <laughs> doing my work at the time, you know, but this is where it's been bringing me into a lot of video game music. There's not a lot of lyrics in yeah. video game music. And so it is fantastic to have on in the background. But at the yes. same time, if it's a really good piece, you know what I mean? Like you do get into uh -huh. it. And so I can see myself kind of spacing out at times. Like if I'm listening to uh, the Octopath Traveler soundtrack, which by the way is fantastic. Mm -hmm. it is. I get into like, it's perfect to have on at work. And then all of a sudden one part comes on. I'm like, do, 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 do. And I'm just kind of bobbing <laughs> my head back and forth. And I'm like, oh shit. So it's good to hear that you guys have the same opinions and whatnot with music when it comes to work and being distracted. Tom, you're distracted by it. Bernsey, you're not. So that's really cool. That's awesome that this was brought up. I, I do find that reading it's hard to read if there's lyrics so i will agree with that point as well so i'll usually try to have something instrumental if i have to do a lot of reading otherwise for me like especially writing a lot of my writing i use music and play the same types of things over and over if it's to get the feeling of what i'm trying to write so it's almost like a muse to me so i had a the last thing i wrote which was actually finished which was a while ago there was probably five or six different songs that I would kind of play over and over again to sort of stay in the mood that I was trying to capture with that. And so it, 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 it's, it's, it's sort of interesting how I latch onto it that way. Yeah, that is. I mean, my job is primarily writing, so that's fascinating to me. Like, I want silence, and I want nobody to talk to me, and I want to get everything out of my brain and onto the keyboard. <laughs> and enjoy music when you want to enjoy music when it's time to listen to music right yeah pretty much so i never i, this, I i'm an odd host for this particular show because i never really fell in love with video game music like i've listened to some to prepare for this show and i concede that it's good but it's never been like a driving force for me if i had to pick an era that i fell in love with video game music or that most impacted me from video game music it's probably 8-bit and the legend of zelda okay yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. And Bernsey, I don't know if you can attest to this or not, but the the progression of music, such as with technology, has been mm -hmm. phenomenal in the past 20 years. Yeah. Right. Epic music yeah. is nostalgic because it's da 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 da. You know, it's everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. And then And it's simple and it's repeated it, again and again. And I think that's where gets me just i'm so familiar with it it brings back like i can recall yeah. the whole song and it takes me right back to playing legend of zelda oh 100 and you know composers for that early stuff had such little space to work with when it came to putting music onto games that they had to come up with their own little like light motifs as they call it uh for music which is just like reoccurring mm -hmm occurring music to set moods or themes that you would hear like uh like prelude for final fantasy repeats and you could loop and stuff and then you can use it in like a different key later like if you're in uh some castle at the end of the game it's 
boom, 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 because they had such little space to work with. Well, now you get into the era of CDs happening on games in the PlayStation 1 era, and you're getting so much more storage, even back with like Super Nintendo and getting on to like GameCube or the N64, the space and the memory just kept growing. And so you're able to add at that point more digital music, orchestra, this, that, or the other thing. So to go off of your 8-bit liking of the era of music, Tom, mine's now in the past probably 10 to 15 years is my favorite time for music when it comes to video games because they now have endless possibilities. And it's almost like like movie soundtracks these days. You can have anything and you get these big artists and these big composers and stuff like that. And then you get blockbuster hits like God of War soundtrack, which is, you know, that and Skyrim, huge, booming orchestras and choirs and stuff. So and all can see that the music is better now. Like that's that's yeah. no contest. But it just if you played something off the God of War soundtrack for me, as much as I love that game and as good as the soundtrack, I'm sure is for that game. Like I would not be able to pick that from the soundtrack from okay. Assassin's Creed Origins, probably. And that's. And that's fair. I understand that. And you can you, you, you can see that in movies these days, too. Um, do you guys know how the theme to the Avengers goes off the top of your head? It's something like that, right? Just big it's not, Sure, but it's not recognizable. Okay, now do right. Indiana Jones. <laughs> Da, 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 know da, what da, I mean? Whoops, that's Star Wars. Yeah, that. <laughs> right. See, and I went to Superman in my head. <laughs> so we were all bouncing around John Williams on that one. <laughs> it's okay. He's a big composer. But you get these games or you get these movies that are huge episodic type of movies. And they have a huge orchestra, but they haven't created a piece that sticks with you like the old Jurassic park theme. Right. Or cause like if you were to pick out anything from, you know, but, and then you get into composers, I'm, I'm going off track here. I apologize. Tom, when you booted up or saw the trailer to final fantasy seven remake, and you heard Eris theme again for the first time in 20 years, huge erection. Did that not, did that not like instill something in like, you? Massive. you know what I mean? The music had the effect right because if it was just silence or like some ominous tone in the background when you see the camera pan down onto Aerith, i don't know if it would have had the same effect not to say that the game would have been bad at all i'm just saying you just get that bum 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 just that simple few keys on the piano and it really just grabs a hold of you it's just awesome well, I will say, so while I was prepping for the podcast today, I mm-hmm. was, you know, bringing things up and I had my headphones in and I was bringing things up to sort of get ready for playing a little bit later here. And when I brought Eris theme up, the original from the original Final Fantasy VII, like that's still like just the, it hits those notes right away at the start. And it, the tears welled up in my eyes because it was just like that emotional connection to that. And I think that is like going back a little bit the fact that the greats in the great composers in composers in video games 
the fact that they were able to get so much out of those 8-bit chips and 16-bit chips and create so much fantastic music with so little like technical resources to have right. at your at your disposal and then to make sounds that sounded so different like everything has like an 8-bit sound or a 16-bit sound but there's still such a wide variety of music that they were able to create with that software um from like a quality standpoint it still sounds old compared to the stuff now but but it is i think there is that thing that aspect to it sounding different from everything else even in that time frame still makes that makes that more memorable whereas hearing like the music from Marvel's Spider-Man right now or God of War as we've mentioned that sounds just like orchestra right Correct. and it, it it has some differences to it but then it's playing in a much bigger ballpark where like you were saying it has to rival you know the Indiana Jones theme or the Superman theme and and so that's where it has to play in, in a much bigger pool whereas mm -hmm. with video games it just needed to stand out from you know the Mario theme or as things progressed you know trying to push the envelope and have to one up you know Uematsu and Final Fantasy 7 and try to make things sound better than that and then Final Fantasy 8 came out and you have like an actual freaking opera sort of actual sounds of an opera singing with that the, the beginning of that uh, game and, and it's just it, it's crazy to see how it developed over time and then still you kind of lean back to those those touchstones that really hit uh, from the beginning uh, with with the original 8-bit systems and before. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love how passionate you guys are. When did you get hooked on video game music, starting with Billy? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> hooked on video game music. It would have to be... I'm going to go back to... I always F this up too is it so is it so on the super nintendo if it was final fantasy 2 on the super nintendo that's technically for america is that yes. right yeah that's correct yeah okay thank you so final fantasy 4 for the super nintendo one here in the prelude because that's just beautiful that like even though it was an mm -hmm. 8 16 bit whatever harp it was still beautiful um yep. And then victory fanfare is always a favorite because there's nothing better than beating an emboss oh, yeah. and then hearing, da, 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 you know, so that's when I started mm -hmm. noticing it as well as Mario. Don't get me wrong. Mario, Zelda, beautiful music that came from such a small little system, you know, with, you know, and I didn't grasp the concept of there's not enough memory for them to get more sound out of it. It was just enjoyable. You know what I mean? It was just awesome for that time because it was something so brand new to all of us you know mm -hmm. to have these fun games and this awesome music so i gotta go I, yeah, i'm gonna jump back to regular you know old school nintendo and super nintendo was really when i started getting into the music more uh and then once playstation came around i'm gonna go with probably really when i was paying attention to the music was like you know, you'd hear, uh, especially like uh, Tony Hawk. That was awesome. That was just mm -hmm. basically just <laughs> just great soundtrack all in general. So not didn't, that that it didn't have composers on it, you know, that came up with its own original soundtrack. But mm -hmm. man, you could have an entire an entire album on there with just awesome songs while you're skating around, or like uh, 
Twisted Metal had a badass soundtrack. That was a fun oh, game yeah. to play and had some great <laughs> rock music to play and stuff. And then you go into the Final Fantasies and stuff and you're looking at composers coming up with original music with just wonderful tones and sounds over it just to really like immerse you in that game which was awesome so i go i'll take a little bit from column a with the old systems and i'll take a little bit with the (laughs) starting of the we can pack as much as we can into these games now and we're really going to take advantage of using composers to their full full potential and Birdsey, how about you? Yeah, I, yeah. So, like the NES, I, I I started to, I guess, recognize video game music at that point. If you wanted to get eight year old me as excited as possible, all you would have to play is the opening theme to Tecmo Super Bowl, uh, because <laughs> that is, that was the yes. pinnacle of excitement. That. <laughs> and it just builds and builds and builds. It's so great. And it, like, it's got like the weird like graphics that aren't moving, but they move them around the screen to show motion and stuff like that. It's just, it was so good. And then one of my earlier like video game music memories too is the soundtrack of uh, The Adventure of Link, uh, Legend of Zelda 2. And I know, like, the guys on the Zelda podcast kind of crapped on that game, and justifiably so. It's not a great Zelda game. It's very different from all the other Zelda games. Uh, But my brother would play that nonstop. And so, like, that music, if I hear that today, like, instantly I'm just back in that moment to being a kid and watching my brother try to play through uh, one of the hardest Zelda games ever. With the NES, I started to notice video game music, but then it was with Final Fantasy III, which uh, on the SNES, which is Final Fantasy VI. Mm-hmm. That, like, uh, you know, sort of bury, uh, not burying the lead. I'm, 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 you know, showing my hand a little early here, but that to me is probably the best video game soundtrack of all time, just because Ooh. of the wide assortment of moods that he sets with that game and the settings that have very distinct themes to it and each of the characters has a theme and some of the characters have similar themes because they have similar paths or similar types and it's just it's so great and and so that is when I really fell in love with video game music was with Final Fantasy VI or Final Fantasy III on the SNES because I would be Mm -hmm. playing that game and I would just stop what I was doing and just listen to the music for time on end and and just let it run while I'm off doing or whatever else in the living room. Uh, (laughs) Like I would just stand on the belt and just... And I I love that, you know, hence, you know, why I became a drummer probably. And so, yeah, so those were kind of the things where that those were the points when I really started falling in love with video game music. That's really interesting, Bernsey. For the next part of the show, I thought it would be interesting for us to talk about some icons from each of the different generations of gaming. Now, at one point here, I'm just going to bow out because I couldn't think of any more, but uh, I hope you guys can carry this conversation. <laughs> Since I have so few, <laughs> I'll start at the 8-bit era with The Legend of Zelda as the most iconic music of that generation. What did you guys think was the most iconic thing in the 8-bit era? So I was in same 
same series. Oddly enough, different composer, Zelda 2 is the only one that uh, Koji Kondo did not do the music for of the mainline Zelda games, which I think is fascinating. But for me, it was mm -hmm. Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. That music, it's probably all nostalgia. There's probably other soundtracks from that time frame that were that were memorable or good. But for that, that soundtrack itself is just fantastic to me. Really? How about you? Yep, I have to. I have to agree with that, although on my list that I put, uh, <laughs> I put the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Nintendo game, as well as DuckTales, if you guys remember that. Those were just fun yeah. to listen to. I just thought they were just really fucking enjoyable. <laughs> so I thought I'd give us a good laugh and throw those two on as my choices for 8-bit fun. Was... I wouldn't go iconic by any means. I'd go with your Zelda well, or your I Mario would... and stuff. The, the moon theme from DuckTales is one of my favorite, like, 8-bit songs. Uh, it's See, just, you it's get it. It's a really lovely song. I love it so yes. much. It's just, uh, do, 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 I don't know. It's so great. <laughs> it sounds magical. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> if, if you hate that part of our previous podcast, this is probably going to be a terrible podcast for you. So <laughs> I've missed you singing, my friend. 16-bit uh, era, starting with Billy. 16-bit. I'm going Super Mario World. Very simple, but that was just do 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 do. That's when you started getting like some almost like steel drum sounds to the game, and it was just awesome it was just so much fun i just love that i thought that was just fantastic and so yes i am going to pull from low-hanging fruit here and go with mario because that was just awesome that's you got the experience and the awesomeness from the regular nintendo and then you upgraded to the super nintendo and your mind was just fucking blown at that point with the, what they could add more to and so it just kept building and building and building so yeah i gotta go mario because that's the first one that i played when i got a super nintendo Joey? Oh, that's a that's a great pick. For for me, uh I already sort of stepped on my own touchdown call, but Final Fantasy Six would be mine. So Final Fantasy Three on the SNES. Yep, love it. Now here's where I start to erode my own credibility. I chose <laughs> Road Rash Two, which there isn't anything particularly memorable about it, but I fired up Road Rash 2 about a year ago to see if my Sega still worked, and like I still get adrenaline pumping when I hear that music. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's right, because for 16-bit, you uh, had uh, Genesis, right, Tom? That is correct. I didn't, I've never owned a Super Nintendo. Oh, okay. See, I never owned a Genesis. And I played, like, I played I a lot of uh, Sonic, but none of the, I couldn't recall any affinity for the Sonic music. You know, that works, then. That works. Uh, honorable mention I want to throw out there, uh, lesser-known game, but Rock and Roll Racing on the Super Nintendo. Oh, my God. Uh, the that, Road Hicko. That was a classic, too. The Road <laughs> Hippo just got such an erection for you, Burns. He loved that freaking game. He and Casey the Cairo used to play that endlessly on weekends. They'd rent it from Steve's World and just go nuts before I was friends with them. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's a classic. Moving up an era, mm -hmm. I called it the PlayStation 1 era. Joey, <laughs> what was your most iconic music from that? time frame that one was a tough one there's so many good good like game soundtracks in that era and I, I also felt because you called it the ps1 era i needed to be contrarian to some extent 
So I wanted to put Ocarina of Time on there, but I couldn't not having a PlayStation game on there. So I also had to say Final Fantasy VIII because I think Final Fantasy VIII, seven, I think is still a better soundtrack, but Final Fantasy VIII pushed video game soundtracks in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And it showed that it could do so much more than just what a video gamey sound could be. And so that was kind of that first leap forward with video game music. So that's why I think Final Fantasy VIII should go on there. And for Ocarina of Time, it's really just how integrated that was into the gameplay. And, you know, you were playing the music, so it became more memorable because you were a part of it. And I think that was a really fascinating uh, aspect of uh, Ocarina of Time. Yeah, sounds good. I chose Final Fantasy VII. Yep, That's I'm the right there with you on Final Fantasy VII. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's it's the low. I get it though. It's the low hanging fruit, but it's the it's to me it's the right choice. <laughs> but I also oh, no, it, like I said prior, like I said prior, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I like Tony Hawk. I like the Tony Hawk soundtrack, but that was all licensed music, wasn't it? Like Goldfinger was on that on, on that soundtrack. I know, and that's why I'm I'm going for if we're just purely basing it on soundtracks and not like original composition music. If we're going off of just soundtrack, then I'll say Tony Hawk in there. If I'm going original composition, I'll go with Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII, it is. Hooray, I win. PlayStation 2, <laughs> this is where I bounce. This is where video game music, I don't, I couldn't think of standout icons from anything from PS2 on. So we can talk about my inadequacies as a host later, but why don't we have Billy start with your choice <laughs> for PS2 era? Uh, again, I'm going to go with licensed music on this one, just because PlayStation 2 was one of the consoles that I never personally owned. I played it over at other friends' house uh, and stuff. So I'm not the most familiar with all the games on there, but when I did play, I really enjoyed Grand Theft Auto Vice City soundtrack. That was a lot of fun. It was a real to. retro soundtrack, wasn't it? Yes. Was that the one with Africa? Was it? Yes. There's so many of those I games. I would guess so. Even... It probably would be. Flock of Seagulls was on there for sure. <laughs> uh, I ran so far away. Yep. I just remember running over someone with a golf cart to Africa and just <laughs> losing my mind. That definitely sounds like a GTA game, though, doesn't it? <laughs> for sure. It was probably a hooker that you ran over, too, most likely. Most likely. Here's a fun aside. I still have an original copy of Grand Theft Auto 3 wrapped in the plastic from the whole hooker controversy. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I heard it was going to be pulled from store shelves, so I went to Target, bought it, a second copy, never opened it, and now it's just on my bookshelf in my basement as a trophy. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good story behind that, though, to have. Yeah, that's the one Very where you true. can have sex with a hooker. It's right next to The Witcher. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Joey, There's lots of sexy time in The Witcher also. Yeah. Get your freak out of video games. Bernsey, what was your choice on PlayStation 2? Similar to you, Tom, I racked my brain and I struggled with finding... I mean, I could have went with Final Fantasy X, but that feels like a default and I couldn't really think of too much else. So the one I had to give it to is a licensed music soundtrack and that's Guitar Hero 2. That game, when that came out, I, I had a similar path with the PlayStation 2 as you had, Billy, where that, like, the primary portion of the PlayStation 2 was when I was in college, and video mm-hmm. gaming took a lot of a backseat, except for those party-type games like GTA, 
that you can play with a bunch of people, especially when drinking, like drinking mm -hmm. in the game and then drinking in person and trying to drive is like that double <laughs> difficulty that you're going for in that. Uh, but then Guitar Hero, the Guitar Hero games were phenomenal and all the wide variety of music. And I think whenever a game, I, I sort of mentioned a little bit with Ocarina of Time, but whenever a game gives you an aspect interface with the actual music itself, that helps you connect to it a lot more. And there's a few songs that I heard in the Guitar Hero games that I would never have heard of before. Those unlockable songs at the end from the Nobodies that like I still listen to today because I connected to them at that point. And I've tried listening to music from those bands outside of that too. And some of them I've gotten into, some of them I haven't. Uh, but I think Guitar Hero 2 had a really great licensed soundtrack. Fair enough. PlayStation 3 era. Joey, do you want to start this one? Yeah, I have two for this one as well because I'm a cheater. Uh, but one of them's <laughs> on a handheld, so it technically doesn't... It's technically different, I will say. Well, we uh, love the Vita my, here, my so why don't you the, lead off? Yeah, my, my pick for the PS3 is Scott Pilgrim versus The World, The Game. Uh, and this is actually an infamous soundtrack because it was it's a soundtrack by Anna Managuchi, which is an 8-bit uh, sort of electronic band uh that's still popular today i actually have one of their one of their uh, albums is my walking music so whenever i go walking i'll listen to that uh for exercising but uh scott pilgrim versus the world the game has a very 8-bit sounding soundtrack uh but it's it, it feels still advanced from that uh, which really ties into the style of the game a lot and so i would definitely recommend looking that up um, Another Winter is probably the best track on there. The title theme is also really good. Uh, but Scott Pilgrim, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the game, uh, is one of the greatest soundtracks on the PS3. Uh, the greatest soundtrack of that generation, though, is the Persona 4 Golden soundtrack. Uh, so great. Uh, granted, that game is one of my favorite games of all time, so I'm a little biased. But the music and the style of the Persona series go hand in hand in what makes those games phenomenal. And they, I think that that one, especially Golden with some of the added tracks that are added from the original Persona 4, knocks it kind of over the edge. And that's when the composer really started to kind of hit his stride, which carried into uh, Catherine and Persona 5, I think. Billy, have you ever played a Persona game? I have not played a Persona game, no, no. So I'm going to have to definitely check that out. I, I hear about them all the time, but yeah. no, that's something that I've never actually gotten to gotten to play. Nor have I even, I didn't even know there was a Scott Pilgrim versus the World game. <laughs> well, you can't buy it anymore because there was licensing issues. There was licensing uh -huh. issues with the music after a while, so they had to take it off of the store. And so I still have it on a PS3, so I could still play it. There's been rumors recently that Ubisoft might have picked up the rights for it and they might have solved the licensing issue. So it might actually get a re-release on PS4, but that's just hearsay. Interesting. Billy, you should check out Persona. They're good games. I guess yes, they are. Yeah. I'll have to check those out. I'll just add it to the list of a hundred other games <laughs> I need to play. Never stop playing, dude. The positives and negatives coming out of a video gaming coma, right? <laughs> it's uh it's it's a very first world problem that I'm very much aware of. 
Billy, what was your choice for this generation? You know, this generation is going to be a, just kind of a similar answer to my PS2. I did not own a three, but with the Xbox, like, can I can I throw the Xbox and 360 in the same one and just go with the Halo soundtrack on that? You sure can. System? Probably because, Halo Two. I... Because that was just amazing. I mean, that that you know, everybody knows the beautiful choir that they used at the beginning of that game, almost like a Nordic sounding choir, which was fantastic and that's the first time that i really got into like doing land parties with friends and stuff or side-by-side couch play with friends uh outside of two-player games from past systems i mean this was the first time that i got into people coming over with tvs and hooking up or going on the internet you know and playing four on four and stuff and having big halo tournaments after work and stuff was so that was to me my favorite just because of the nostalgic factor to it because that was a lot of fun kind of with uh what bernsey said about the party game i mean halo was one of those where you could just be having a big party and six people are playing halo and 10 people are watching and everybody's screaming and hooting and hollering and stuff and it as that's pretty cool one for me yeah i remember those days too we had a uh college apartment my roommate was just a beast at halo so we'd have multiple people bringing over systems we'd have multiple tvs set up and my roommate would just run roughshod through us all <laughs> have tournaments to see who would beat the guy nobody did ever no one we were all just meat for him. <laughs> and with that we're on to our current generation of consoles playstation 4 or uh xbox one take your pick let's see billy you've got a bit of a list here why don't you go first I do have a bit of a list just because it's the newest and the most recent that I've been playing and getting back into the whole video game, you know, enjoyment of things in my late 30s. Uh, so I'm more familiar with a lot of the soundtracks and stuff that are on these current on this current gen uh, system. So off the top of my head, I was going with Final Fantasy 15 has an absolutely beautiful, beautiful soundtrack to it. Um, all done by uh, Yoko Shimamura, and she did an absolutely fantastic uh, job at orchestrating this game's music. It was just beautiful. You can go onto YouTube right now, and they have a whole playlist that's five hours long, and it's all the music from <laughs> Final Fantasy XV. And I play that at work. You know what I mean? Because there's half my damn day right there just <laughs> listening to that soundtrack once through, <laughs> which is just awesome. You know, and so that's uh, that was mm-hmm. awesome. And it was fun to play. It really got you in the mood while going through the game. It's highs, it's lows. They even used uh, Florence and the Machine to do the cover of Stand By Me, which was beautiful yeah. to mm-hmm. open the game with, which was just, yeah, gut-wrenching emotion. And then you've got other games like we were talking about beforehand, excuse me. Uh, God of War was Nordic myth- mythological, awesome, badass music um mm-hmm. red dead red dead 2 was just sweet because it was westerny feel acoustic banjo pick and playing music that was just <laughs> across this bob ross-esque type of landscape that you were going through so i really just pulled you in so that's another one that i got into and i could keep going on with these new gens because the you know the uncharted game 
for fun just because it felt very Tomb Raider-esque Indiana Jones kind of feel to it. So they had mm-hmm. the backing soundtrack to go with that, made you feel really adventurous and stuff while you were going through it. Even to go with, uh, I'm currently playing through Far Cry 3, 4, and 5 again, which is some fun games that I just like to pick up every now and again. And they've even got a couple of good tunes on there you know what i mean so so many with the newest generations so many and even if i can throw a switch in there like i was saying before the octopath traveler soundtrack is just awesome breath of the wild beautiful i mean they're just doing some amazing things these days with the current gen games it's it's absolutely fantastic yeah it's pretty good joey what do you say so I, I have to say that my my number one with a bullet for the current generation is Persona 5 soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's just so, like, from a mood-setting standpoint, it's really good. And it, it, it does a good job of maintaining a style throughout. And then just kind of, it's, it's, it all sounds like it comes from the same soundtrack. But all the tracks are different. You know what I mean? It's hard to explain. But it does a really good job of kind of capturing that style. And it's different than what Persona 4's style was. And the, the, like, the battle music for it, it just gets you, gets you pumped. And then, like, like, the mechanic of when you go into the palaces at the end as your final kind of boss rush to get to the final boss, the music that plays during that is just so, like, it amps you up so much leading up to that. It, just so many fantastic tracks throughout it. Uh, that's another one of those like five, six hour long if you played all of the tracks from front to back uh, mm-hmm. since it's one of those huge JRPGs. Uh, but Persona 5 is number one with a bullet for me. Uh, Final Fantasy 14, 15 is also fantastic. Final Fantasy 14, I think just through sheer volume of music is is insane. Uh, granted, that's because they've had three expansions and everything. But right. I, I really, really, really enjoy a lot of the songs uh, throughout the entire soundtrack. And that's one of those that's composed by, you know, pretty much all of the composers at Square have some sort of a hand in it. Mm -hmm. And so those two would be up there. I think it's too early yet, but I think there's going to be a lot to argue about Final Fantasy VII Remake being considered probably one of the best, like, achievements in integrating a soundtrack into a game uh, of all time. And a lot of the way that the music will go up and down, like when you're in between combats, it'll be at one sort of version of the song. And then when you get into combat, it jumps up into a second version of the song. A lot of that was first kind of experimented with in Final Fantasy XIV. And so there's a lot of kind of uh, interplay between those two and what the composers were able to do with the songs between you know, those different levels and how it ramps up and ramps back down, I think is really, is really interesting development for video games. It, having it be connected to the inputs that the players are doing uh, and, and being reactive to what's going on on the screen is, is insane. And that's something that movies can't do because that's never going to change. It's always going to be scripted. So mm-hmm. I think that's, 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 that's really, that that's, that's a, it's a real achievement. That's a fascinating point, Burns. i can't even fathom how they pulled that off do we think that is a one-time like masterpiece or do you think that could possibly be replicated is that the future of video game music i think so like that's that's what i my guess is there's been lots of other games that have done that 
in the background and it maybe hasn't been as noticeable. Uh, and I think to some extent they've always had to. I just think that what Square has accomplished with Final Fantasy VII Remake is redefining what people are going to see as that next bar of what you can achieve with it. And I think a lot of people will be trying to do that, uh, especially moving into a next gen where you're going to have even more capabilities from a sound standpoint with the new consoles. It's fascinating to think of. That's got to be so, so expensive to try to do well. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> 100%. Oh, yeah. That's 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 costly, especially when you get into big name composers and then hiring studio musicians and then the time it takes to record it, especially when it's brand new composed music. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. with the Final Fantasy VII, it's probably, it may be on the cheaper end just because they'll probably jazz up all of the soundtracks that they already have for the game, uh, but it's still going to take time, you know, but it's just going to sound so much more epic and beautiful because mm -hmm. we just have that better technology, better microphones, better recording equipment, you name it. You know what I mean? So you're just going to get the better sounding quality out of everything. I mean, you can listen to an hour and a half of the soundtrack right now on YouTube and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's like hearing it for mm -hmm. the first time, but like, I don't know what it was. It's like some, visceral feeling that you got with it because it's nostalgia but it's new at the same time if that makes yeah. sense and so it's just oh, it's yeah. fantastic it's like listening yeah it's just doing it all over again you know what's going to happen but you're still surprised by it which is just awesome there is a lot of love for the final fantasy 7 remake on this show yes there is <laughs> justifiably so that was our look at the history of video game music before we move on we'd like to thank our sponsor premier health again you know, Tom, my back has been hurting a lot these days. Do you happen to know anybody that I could go and check out? I'm so glad that you asked, Billy. Premier Health has solutions for back pain, neck pain, car accident and work injuries, and more. We suggest seeing Dr. Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN.com. Thanks, Tom. I'll, I will go check out PremierHealthMN.com. Thank you, Billy. It's time now for Bernsey's Book Buzz. Ouch! He stung me. So we're bringing back a segment we haven't done for a little while here. We're going to do Bernsey's Book Buzz, but with a very Tomish twist. We're going to be talking about a book that Tom read because I'm the hero. I'm the star of the show. And now, Joey, you can shower me with adulation. Thunderous applause. You're the greatest. Hooray! You're the greatest, Tom. Insert thunderous applause here, Tom. Done and done. So I read... <laughs> That's not funny. You hurt my feelings. I read another Star Wars book. I read Heir to the Jedi by Kevin Hearn. Kevin Hearn is a well-known author for his work with the Iron Druid series, which is one of Phoenix's favorites, and I have a group of friends who's really, really into it. This book follows Luke Skywalker shortly after the Battle of Yevon. You know, when they blow up the Death Star? Kind of a big time for the Rebellion. Uh, Luke is tasked with kidnapping an important imperial asset, this mathematician, creature, alien, woman, person. He has access to a ship called the Desert Jewel, <laughs> as long as he brings along the charming daughter of a science magnet. And before liberating the asset, they have to run a mission for her father to earn credits to upgrade the ship. And there's a big heist to seize the asset. She's supposed to be able to be a big code breaker that will be really helpful in taking down the Empire. The team ends up getting yanked out of hyperdrive by a star destroyer. They have to fight their way out in this big TIE fighter scene, 
Bernsey, you'd love it with your love for the Star Wars ships. Uh, the ship is damaged, and they're forced to seek refuge and try to repair the ship while escaping Imperial detection. It doesn't work. So that's Aww. the basic setup for this book. It's a long, long setup for a heist story starring Luke Skywalker. One of my favorite aspects in this book is it's still early on in Luke's career, and they spend a lot of time evaluating how he interacts with the Force. He hasn't heard Ben speak to him since he was taking down the Death Star. He can feel the Force and its influence at times, but he can't really control it. You see, can see glimpses of what he will become, but he's just he's not there yet. And I thought that aspect of the book was really, really good. One of the things that I thought was a little less intriguing was the dialogue. Now, Kevin Hearn, he wrote, is very snappy dialogue, but it didn't feel like Luke Skywalker to me. Like, it didn't feel like Star Wars. It was funny and interesting, but, man, it just it didn't have the right tone for me. Overall. He almost sounded more like Han Solo than, than Luke Skywalker. Yeah, actually, I think he might have been a better fit for writing a Han Solo book. That's an excellent point. Oh, okay. So it was like kind of cocky dialogue. Yeah, I mean, well, a lot of it was flirtatious. Was he's exploring this relationship mm. with the uh, daughter? I don't know. This book was no Thrawn, which I thoroughly enjoyed, but it was a pretty fun Star Wars book. It was a fun adventure. Interesting. Very cool. No, I yeah, I that is one thing I have not done in a very long time is picked up a good book. But getting into the the Star Wars books sound very interesting, you know, especially this one. It'd be kind of cool just to see. It's kind of like uh, watching the movie Rogue One, where it's like a side story of everything that you already know, and you get these, you know. So it's nice to see a side story with a, you know, with a big character like Luke. That's cool. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, and I mean, it's uh, it's a standalone thing. It doesn't tie into a lot of the larger storylines in Star Wars, so you don't have to read a bunch of books to get into it but it's just i thought it was interesting that they brought in such a well-regarded author to write a one-off book about luke skywalker so but, would you recommend would you recommend someone to read thrawn first if they were looking at dipping their toes into the star wars books would that be the one you'd recommend oh definitely i love thrawn but thrawn was intense like thrawn is a commitment like i burned through heir to the jedi and maybe a couple of weeks of casual night reading like i was after thrawn for at least a month maybe two months it's just a lot denser okay so there you have it read books with oio <laughs> reading is fun the more books you know are good before we get back to our final segment on video game music we also have another segment to do on game pass forever last month i crapped all over a game called riverbond i owe this game an apology uh, I should have sent you guys some things to look at about this game, but it was a silly, fun experience created by powerhouse developer Coco Cucumber. If I can, <laughs> if I can break it down here, it's a, it's basically a Lego game that's even simplified. Smash everything in the environment. You have one objective per board. It can be something like beat all the enemies, find this many eggs, get a key. You know, there's like one very clear thing that you have to do in this little bite-sized board, and then you do it. You run through the gate, you're onto the next board, there's a series of little boards, and then you get into a boss fight. One of the things that made this game stand out is there are super, super silly weapons. Like, you got your standard fantasy things like swords, maces, crossbows, but then there are some 
just wacky things like uh, dual foam claws. You know those big claws you buy at like a sporting event that cover your whole hand? Uh-huh. You get two yeah, of them uh-huh. and you use them as weapons or uh, you get <laughs> dual size or a shovel or all these wacky guns. They're, two of my favorites were a bee gun and a snake gun, which actually shot bees and snakes. And it was just so funny. That's awesome. <laughs> There's also a giant book you could use to slap enemies. Just book slap, <laughs> book slap. Just these crazy, silly enemies. It had us laughing pretty much the whole way through it. This is not going to be particularly relevant to either of you, but it's the perfect game to introduce a kid to. Like I can just see like a four or five year old getting introduced to video games with Riverbond. These I like ones. that. That's good. I that'd be something yeah, I could cool. show my niece. I, I could play that with my nieces. Yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. I mean, it's super get simple. Into video game wise. There's one attack button, there's one jump button, and like it's just, it doesn't break any new ground. Like it's not a visual powerhouse, there's no story at all. It's just, you know, you jump into a board, you beat some stuff up, and then you progress to a boss fight, and then you fight this big, big baddie. Although I will say, we uh, we decided to beat this game last night, we had two boards left, and we're like, oh, I wonder if there's anything at the ending. Nope. So you start up the game, there's nine boards to choose from, and they give you a picture of the end boss that as like the icon for the nine boards, and you do the nine boards, and that's kind of it. It's like, oh, well, you can try to beat your high score on one of the boards if you want. Or oh. you... <laughs> it's very like, anticlimactic. Like the most anticlimactic game I have ever played. It's like you can watch the credits off the start menu. They don't even run the credits when you beat the last boss. You're saying it's more anticlimactic than Ghost Recon Wildlands, where it builds up this final boss and you don't even fight the guy? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, at least there was a a final boss or like a, you know, an ending to that story. I guess that's true. Riverbond. I mean, I didn't expect a lot going into it, but I was very pleasantly surprised by just how fun and silly it was. Like, it's not a... It's not this big epic Skyrim tale. It's not a huge collectathon mm-hmm. like the Lego games. I don't have a point of comparison with Minecraft. I never really got into it. It's sort of a Minecraft art style, but it's just like the simplest, like most pure action hack and slash adventure you can dive into. Like if you die, you just go back to the beginning of the board. You don't really lose anything. Okay. Well. I, I guess I have to say I told you so, Tom. I knew you were breaking it down way too much on the last podcast that you were going to end up liking it. I told you. <laughs> yeah, we'll see with next month's game. So thanks to my <laughs> generous supporters on Patreon, I once again did the Microsoft randomizer, and I think this is the last time I'm going to do it. Like, I'm very appreciative <laughs> of your <my> support. <laughs> It's so great. What are you talking about? It's hilarious that you have to play such shit games. At the... it's, it's awesome. <laughs> This is great. This is what I pay for, Tom. Uh, you, you are going to get your money's worth this month, my friend, because the next game... I'm very happy. The next game is Human Fall Flat by No Breaks Games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you guys have heard of that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I have seen it before on the store, but I don't know anything about it. Well, let me tell you more. Bob <laughs> is just a normal human with no superpowers, but given the right tools, he can do a lot. Misuse the tools and he can do even more. The world of Human Fall Flat features advanced physics and innovative controls that cater for a wide range of challenges. Bob's dreams of falling are riddled with puzzles to solve and distractions to experiment with for hilarious results. 
The world may be fantastical, but the laws of physics are very real. Will you try to open the mysterious door, or would you rather see how far you can throw a speaker set out that window? <laughs> I just cannot wait to break this game down next yes, month. Yes, you pull that directly from the back of the box. <laughs> I, yeah, the uh, the back of the digital box. Yep. That was fantastic. I love that description. <laughs> well, and, and, and you know, it's just like real life. Physics are very real. So, oh, you know, that's I important. See. Very real. I'm excited for that one. I'm excited for that one. <laughs> Who <laughs> wouldn't be? We might break him with this one. <laughs> they think he's going to just hate us after this and just completely scrap the idea. <laughs> the good news is that it's cooperative, so Phoenix will be able to come along for the whole ride again, and it's only supposed to be like a four to five hour experience, so hopefully we can just grit it out, stay up late one night, and be done with this shit. That's awesome. That's perfect. <laughs> but I can't wait to break it down next month. And thank you to you both and to all of OIO's supporters on Patreon. If you are interested in supporting the show, you can back us on Patreon for as little as $2 a month. Check it out at patreon.com slash OIO. For our final segment today, we have hopefully what will be a real treat if technology works with us. We have created the Elimination Chamber to determine the most iconic song in video games. Joey, this is a game that you've created, so why don't you tell us a little bit about it and what the rules are? All right. So we have compiled the list of the most iconic video game songs of all time, at least according to us. And one by one, each person will then choose one of the songs that we're going to list out and play out here to eliminate the list until we get down to three songs remaining. Now, as we're going through that preliminary process of eliminating songs, each person has one chance to say overruled, which is your one time only to try to save that song so that it doesn't get eliminated. You state your case as to why you say that it shouldn't be eliminated yet. If it's sustained, that song automatically makes it to the final three. But if the other people say it's gone, then it is eliminated. When it gets to the final three, eliminations stop. And then on the count of three, the participants each state their pick for the winner. If it's unanimous, then the winner is chosen. If not, there's a quick debate to state the cases, and each person grants uh, points to the remaining options. The scores are tallied, and the winner is determined. Sounds complicated. Let's all... do this. All right. So we have nine songs queued up here. And we're going to go through them one by one. We'll take a listen to each one of them so we have a good grounding. And to appease the copyright gods, I'm going to do my best to only play about 20 to 30 seconds of each one, or at least until we can get a good gist of what's happening in the song. And so feel free to throw out any comments as we're going through them, because that can be our discussion. And then once it gets to the end, then we'll determine who eliminates first and go from there. So the first song that we have is Dragonborn, the theme to Skyrim. It starts out a little quiet. Ooh. Ominous. A little ominous. This is one of those that I remember sitting there and like just listening to the like menu music for ages. And then it was one of those times where if you hovered over it on the PS3 screen, that you could actually like you know, you could just listen to the music without going into the game. I do that constantly. Oh, cool. All right. So that is the Dragonborn theme to Skyrim. 
Next, Love it. going to another song from the same generation. Well, actually, the previous generation. Uh, this is one that we brought up earlier, too. The Halo theme. Oh, fantastic. Doesn't it bring you back? Yes. Uh, I remember seeing a meme online of a bunch of, like, high schoolers singing this in a shower. <laughs> yeah, or in a bathroom or in a church yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get an old tube TV and set a few of them up next to each other and just play a big, big party style Halo competition. That's what this is reminding me of right now. It's just awesome. Yeah. And then, yeah, it kicks into this moment. So great. All right. Switching it up completely. The Prelude from the Final uh, Fantasy yeah. series. Specifically, this is the one you mentioned earlier, Final Fantasy IV. Yeah. <sighs> so that jump from 8-bit to 16-bit, it just sounds so perfect. Uh, there's, this is there's that, yeah, there's that harp sound that I was trying to describe earlier. You know, you really, you you can just go, yep, that's a harp. And you can just see it just being plucked mm -hmm. on the strings. And it's just, oh, it's so cool. Completely different. <laughs> Super Mario, the main over for the main theme of 1-1. One, one. Very different, but Fantastic. remember, this isn't favorite. This is iconic, and I think that's where that one might win out over the others. We have to remember that as we go through the eliminations here. We do. Another 8-bit classic. The yep. main theme for the Legend of Zelda series. This one specifically from The Adventures of Link, or Adventure of Link, Legend of Zelda 2. Very good, very good. Uh, another 16-bit here, Sonic <laughs> Green Hill Zone. Oh, man. Tom, this is one that you actually can associate to since you own this console. That takes me back, man. <laughs> All right. Jumping ahead a ways. Now, this is... If there's any game creator that feels himself more than any other game creator, uh, it's Hideo Kojima. And so, you know, all of his games are all about espionage and spying. And so with Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater, he created this very, oh, he didn't create, the composer created this very Bond theme sounding song and it's so great. Takes a little That's bit exactly what I was going to say. It sounds yeah. very Bond film-ish. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a build, but we got to wait till we get to that point here. So great. <laughs> really is. You know, and I mean, Kojima gets... Justifiably so, he gets made fun of a little bit because of how, like, just into it he gets. But, like, this is perfection. I mean, it's just perfection. 
No one's saying that it's not good. Just feeding the fact that how crazy he is. Exactly. All right. Another quick sort of jump. So the overworld theme for Super Mario Brothers 3. This is another one oh, you brought yeah. up earlier. Fantastic. And last, but certainly not least, one of the most beautiful songs in video game uh, history. Come on. How does this not like instantly bring kind of a tear to your eye? Uh-huh. So beautiful. Uh, and, I mean, ultimately, linked to one of the saddest moments in video game history. Seriously. Uh, but, yeah. Eric... Did you know that Aerith's theme was the first video game piece of music to reach the top 20 for the classic FM Hall of Fame? Oh, seriously? Yeah. Yep. I, I read that, that fact. I thought specifically Aerith's theme. Beautiful. And there you have it. Those are the nine songs. You guys have the list in front of you. Let's say I'm not going to be the first one to eliminate one. It's going to be one of you two. Billy, pick high or low. Oh, God. <laughs> the, I so have a D20 be, I'm going to roll. So I'm just going to eliminate what I want off this list. That's what you're well, asking, Well, no, so correct? pick high or low, and it's going to be either you or Tom that eliminates first. Ah, uh, I'll go high. Let's go. That's an 18 on the die. So, yes, you are the first eliminator, then Tom, then me. Remember, okay. we each have the ability to say overruled, give an argument and then it could save it for the final three otherwise if everybody else if the other two say it's gone then it's mm -hmm. gone okay gotcha gotcha all right uh one two three four five six eight nine okay i'm gonna go with i'm going to eliminate snake eater by metal gear solid three. Oh, yeah. first shot <laughs> I, I, if it, you're, you're, you made the rules and you said iconic. Yeah. So I got to say that's going to be my elimination if we're going iconic. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use my, uh, I'm not gonna use my one to try to block that one. I don't think it would make it to the top three. It is phenomenal. Uh, mm -hmm. But yes, I think we would eliminate Snake Eater. It's gone. It yeah. is gone. Let's do this. <laughs> All right, Tom, your turn. Well, I like taking the opportunity to gang up on Joey, so I'm going to scratch Zelda 2 from the list. Ooh. <laughs> See, you know, the reason why that hurts me more than anything, Tom, is that that was going to be my, okay, I'll give up one of mine for the group. But I can't overrule that. So the Legend of Zelda theme is stricken. And I mean, I love the record. I love the original Legend of Zelda theme, and that was just different enough to set it apart. But I didn't think it made it better, and it certainly wasn't more iconic. I I I'll, I'll agree with you on that. Yes. Yeah. Um, See, this I is mean, top. Can I just interject yeah. and say that this game is like asking somebody to name their top five favorite songs of all time? 
You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I get we're going iconic, but man alive, this is tough. This is tough. No. So I know people who are listening are going to be screaming in their cars as they listen to this. So I just want to interject uh-huh. and say, well, all three <laughs> of us understand that this is <laughs> no, based just... off of the three of us making a list. Okay. So don't hate. Just go with it and listen. And hopefully somebody will agree with us. <laughs> They're just names but on a list, dude. It is fine. Just scratch them off. Yeah. It, and it is law. Like, what is left? is the most iconic song. I mean, nobody can, nobody can argue with it anywhere. Yep. Uh, yep. Sonic. That's a great song, but Sonic green Hill zone is gone. Yep. I got to get rid of it too. Okay. So, so far, you know, it feels like it hasn't hurt. The bandage hasn't hurt too much yet. I feel like it's going to start to hurt now though. Uh, Yeah. I think the hairs are going to start ripping off pretty quick here. Uh Uh-huh. What do you think, Philly? Oh, God. Okay, I'm going to have to take off. If we're going iconic. (laughs) Shit. Shit. (laughs) Uh, Let's take off Dragonborn Skyrim. So good. I can't can't throw it in an iconic list with the rest of these guys as a top three. Can't do it. And for the other ones, like yeah, I feel I, like the music is more associated with the game itself. Like Dragonborn is awesome, and Skyrim is this big epic thing. But I don't necessarily feel a connection between the two. The the only argument I would say to its credit is on another podcast that's no longer findable on the internet. We once talked a lot about South Park: The Stick of Truth, and one of the things that that game did do is with its theme song, it, like, aped the Dragonborn theme for Skyrim a lot, and that helped to give it sort of that feel as well as that South Park feel of making fun of something sacred. That would be the only thing, like, one of the real arguments I would say that that makes that stand there, as well as how Skyrim is, you know, one of the highest-selling games of all time. But I just, I can't... It's going to be one of those things where I'm going to want to sit and save like another song and I'll never use it, but the Dragonborn theme is gone. It's gone. Tom. It's gone. See you later. Let's see if I can make you both use your overruled at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I figured this much. Aerith's theme, guys. Like, I get it. Aerith is my favorite Final Fantasy VII character. It is tied to a super sad moment, but like out of all the is it the most iconic song out of final fantasy 7 like i think that perhaps the uh the ones who fight is a more iconic song (laughs) you know i get it there's a lot of nostalgia there's a lot of emotion tied to this song but thinking thinking about video games as a whole like it just it can't compete with the mario theme and i would argue that it's just not on the same plane as the prelude for the final fantasy series uh you're right. I know you're right. And I'm so like wanting to push the button to object, but I know you're right. Especially when it comes to like prelude. Ah, damn it. But it, it is one of the most iconic like moments in video game history, Tom. I get it. The moment is, but is the moment the music or 
or is the moment the they moment the cup? game came out like 15 years ago <laughs> oh god damn it it was so good 20 years ago and it was so good one month ago when it re-released mm-hmm. it was it just those first three chords or those first three notes bum, 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 and you know exactly what it is it's just one of those things like mario da, 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 you know the rest and so yeah. god damn it uh you gonna do it three two one oh damn it's, no it's gone god damn it it's gone. <laughs> oh no all right all right remember uh, iconic remember iconic iconic so now iconic. i have to pick one huh I feel like this is an easy choice at this point. Going to be getting rid of the overworld theme from Super Mario Brothers 3. I feel like it's just not quite on that pantheon that either the Halo theme, the prelude, or the like original Mario song is. So I think it's got to go. I'm fine with that. Overruled. All right. Overruled. Okay. What's your case, Tom? Okay. So comparing it to the Mario theme, everyone knows ba da 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 true. Super Mario Brothers 3 took the series and elevated in every way, including musically. I don't know sales numbers for the NES, but I imagine it sold better than the original Mario Brothers. Uh, I just I can't I can't put it behind the original Mario Brothers theme. It just, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I'm going to say it's gone, um, and I already gave my reasons, so it's up to you, Billy. You say it's gone, and it's gone, or you agree and say nothing, and then uh, you actually get to choose the final song that gets eliminated. Oh, my God. <laughs> you bastards. Uh, new to the podcast and tasked with one of the more difficult choices in this game. I don't <laughs> like this. I don't like it. It's like carrying with... the ring all the way okay. to Mount Doom and then having to get your freaking finger bit off to finish the job. I know! <laughs> and I'm going to still fall in the fucking lava no matter what. Um, Overworld theme is gone. I'm striking it. It's gone. Yeah. Well, I'm glad somebody good. tried to overrule something, though. Otherwise... Oh, that did not feel good. Okay, so now I will count down three, two, one, and then after one, we each say which one we think is the most iconic. And if it's not unanimous, then it's not decided. If it is unanimous, that is the most iconic. Otherwise, we're going to have to have arguments to determine it, and then we will vote. So, three, two, one, prelude. 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 Tom, if you said something, I didn't hear it. You said it too? Yeah. No, I did it. I didn't think that it would sound great if we vote on prelude. We did. Suck on that, Mario. Oh, my God. All this right, is so wild. Halo and Mario. I did not expect that to happen. I figured there would Holy be at least cow. one dissenting opinion, but I the thought prelude there was going to be one the for most Mario. perfect video game song ever. It's omnipresent in almost every single Final Fantasy game. 
it is the most iconic song. You think of video games, you think of well, RPG fans think that way. Like anyone that isn't us is going to be losing their damn mind. But that's all right. It's my show, so we can do what we want. That's why I prefaced this entire thing with just bear with us, please. It is. It's that was that was tough, guys. That was a tough one. But oh yeah, I I I'm so glad that we all agree that as far as an iconic theme goes that prelude and you're correct every game has it if you listen closely in 15 do you know where you hear it in the bathroom in the bathroom <laughs> on 15 you do. You do. What do you say? <laughs> it's true really yeah oh my god that's uh, awesome you in uh yeah. in the uh in the menu select, uh, uh, in the menu select where it's like that, you'll hear little bits of it. So it's in everything. And I love what they're doing with it. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to play 14 yet, but you guys have been playing that. Is that, is Prelude in there as well? Yeah, it plays when you're battling. It's awesome. Really cool. Yeah. Well, it's it's also like when you're after the login screen and when you're selecting your character, it it plays on that screen, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Tom? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, there we have it. Prelude. That was from the Final Fantasy that was, series. Wow. Send all of, <laughs> send all of your vitriol to Billy's private Facebook page or personal Facebook page. yes please before we close out the show we actually have a listener email to address and in a shocking twist it's not a human being that I actually know in person Jacob Stans wrote to the show in March yeah I have uh I almost never check the OIO inbox because not a lot of stuff comes through there but Jacob Stans wrote it in March he claims to be a moderate fan and he had this question for us In a video game, if you come across an empty room with a health pack, extra ammo, and a save point, you know some serious shit is about to go down. What is the real-life equivalent of this? (laughs) I mean, mine's, uh, feels a little dark, but it's like, you walk into a meeting with your boss and the HR person is sitting there. God damn it, you had my answer, Tom. Damn it! (laughs) That is the perfect scenario. No, it's like it's it's similar to that. It's when a invite goes out to everybody that reports to your manager to a meeting that starts online in five minutes, then you're like, Oh shit. Who's <laughs> getting laid off today? Yeah, yep. And where are uh, my pants? Yes. <laughs> that is fantastic. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other instances where there would be something similar. I mean, there's times when it's like, if I have to like speak in front of people, I wish I could have like a save point and be like, in case I really say the wrong thing, I could roll myself back and save scum it to this point. Um, But I think we nailed the most obvious one. Yeah. I think the HR, when you, called in the office and HR is there too. That's, that's like, yep. That's one right there. (laughs) 
So I guess that's a pretty common question on Reddit. I did a Google search on it before I put it into the show notes, and it comes up every so often. But we appreciate you writing in, and thank you for listening, Jacob. If you'd like to email the show, write to overratedpod at gmail.com. That's overratedpod at gmail.com. Fellas, we've been here. Thanks, Jacob. Thanks, Jacob. Yeah. Fellas, we've been here for a while now talking about video game music. Do you have any parting thoughts that you want to share before we close out the show? I got to say thank you. I mean, really, I have been looking forward to doing this episode for a very long time. I've been listening since your first episode. So this has just been an absolute pleasure. And it went exactly how I thought it was going to with excitement and debate back and forth and Mm -hmm. a lot of information and people just passionate about it. And I just, this is, this was just great. So thank you guys again, seriously. We're so glad to have you, Billy. And it'll be even better next time when we can actually get together in person again. And like, we can see when somebody wants to speak and we're not stepping on each other constantly. Very true. Very true. Yes. Yeah. That's, it's, it's always nice to have that. I guess the only thing I would say is that we have decided what the most iconic video game song is. So nobody else can debate against that. If you think you have something that rivals it, I dare you to send it to me on Twitter and I will tell you how wrong you are. And that's at Hobbybox Burns. To, I want people to write into the podcast as well and tell us how fucking shitty we were with this list. And I want to debate it the next time we get together and see what they have to say. And we will jump in and chime in with our own words. And then maybe we could take a collaborative list, just make an average of another 10 games that we could do another elimination round off of everybody else's choices. <laughs> that sounds like an awesome idea. If you want to share your feedback and get in touch with us, the email address is overratedpod at gmail.com. That is overratedpod with two R's at gmail.com or you can hit me up on twitter at tom sidlachik oio on both twitter and instagram or joey on twitter at hobbyboxburns or you can follow the show on facebook at facebook.com slash outside is overrated next month joey will be back for a board game episode along with a new friend of the show we will welcome longtime friend and listener casey to the show to discuss stonemeyer games and hopefully we will have a very special interview for the back half of the show Thank you so much for listening. Please review us on your favorite podcast platform and consider supporting our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash OIO. We'll talk to you next month. Stay inside, kids.